Hello and welcome to Honey, Are You Happy? A podcast dedicated to breaking down stigma around mental health through authentic and sometimes quite challenging conversations, inspirational stories and educational segments. I'm your host, Joss Walden. I'm an assistant psychologist and ambassador for the UK's leading eating disorder charity, BEAT. I have a wealth of experience in mental health, public speaking, advocacy, research and behaviour change. Most importantly, I am your biggest cheerleader when it comes to helping you put your mental and physical health first. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Honey, Are You Happy? I have taken a rather long break from doing this podcast, mainly because it's been Christmas and there's been loads of celebrations and I've just been super, super busy. But it's good to be back for the last episode of the first season before 2023. And I'm so excited to do this session with you. Um, it's something that I'm really passionate about. I think it's one of the reasons I got into psychology in the first place was behavior change principles and why some people find it really really easy to change their behaviors and why other people really really struggle and end up maybe going through cycles of relapses or just you know trying to make a healthy change and then you know kind of sacking off one weekend obviously lows comes into play with a topic like this there are just natural individual differences there's things like social learning and who our role models are and our attitudes and our beliefs to change and health and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff um, as well as our environment and accessibility and things like that like if you want to change your eating behaviors what kind of shops are local to you what's your finances like all these kind of things come into play and so it's a really meaty topic and I'm going to try and simplify it for you because I think it's really really relevant when we're coming into the new year everyone tries to make resolutions and, and change their behaviors and you know everyone kind of reaches for the sky and says next year is going to be their year and I think often we see people kind of falling off the bandwagon already like a few weeks in I personally don't like new year's resolutions I don't give anything up um, and I, that's been something that I've stuck to ever since um, 2008, because that was the year where I did give up quite a lot that year and ended up with anorexia at the end of the year. <laughs> so I now never give up things, especially not food items or I don't restrict my diet as a, you know, as a New Year's resolution. I look for things that make my world bigger and I look for things that excite me and kind of that I want to take up or I want to try. And I think that's a really good way to step into the new year is to think about what can you do to make your year bigger. And it can even be reframing your the way you're setting your resolutions as well. So, for example, if um, if if weight loss is one of your resolutions and if, you know, rightfully so for some a portion of the population, maybe that is a healthy resolution to have like how are you wording that to yourself is it that you're actually I'm going to take up a new sport I'm going to you know join a new club um or you know having a more positive spin out of it other than I'm going to lose five pounds by March like whatever it is just make sure the wording of it is something that's actually really exciting and is actually making your world bigger and it's not just focused on making you smaller Anyway, going on a tangent, let's jump into what a behavior change technique is and how we can use them.
So a behavior change technique is a strategy that helps an individual change their behavior. No surprise there. And it also promotes better health and well-being. So often people have the intention to make a change and then they get stuck or distracted. So behavior change techniques look at, you know, what is filling that intention behavior gap? What's the middle bit that's missing? What's going to make the link between having the intention to change and actually executing and sticking to the behavior? And that's where the behavior techniques come in and they're well-researched, they're well-documented and there are absolutely hundreds of thousands of them. And they're used actually within kind of um, public health intervention. So for example, when looking how to maybe reduce smoking or reduce teenage pregnancies or increase um, people's use of going and getting vaccinated say like public health um, professionals will look at these behavior change techniques to think okay what will help on a population level as well as we can use them to look at what will help on an individual level so why is it that we so often stumble and fall over when we try to reach our goals so often we just set the bar too high we go from zero, from doing nothing to a hundred and wanting to perfect the goal immediately. We go from sitting on the couch for months on end to being like, I'm going to hit the gym five days a week. Or we go from, you know, ordering takeouts every night to be like, I'm going to cook fresh every single day of the week. And it's just not sustainable. We don't consider the steps that we need to take to get there or even take time to think about, okay, what are the potential barriers that I might come up against? Uh, what might I face along the way? What are the things that might, if it's going really well, might actually cause me to take a step backwards? So things like even just your mood, if you struggle with things like anxiety or depression, that can be a really big one for consistency and things because you're juggling a changing mood quite a lot. So you know, we often just kind of set the goal and we set it really high and then we don't look at what we need to do consistently to get there and then the things that we need to help us. And that's another fact. We often kind of go on our kind of like healthy lifestyle changes alone and we don't think about, okay, who do I need to stay accountable to? Is there someone I can you know tell that I'm doing this and, you know, ask for their support or, you know, is there a group that I can join? Is there a PT I can get? Whatever it is, like we often don't look at who we need to help us make the change sustainable. And why is this a problem? Why is why do you think it's a problem to set a goal and then fail really quickly and then set another goal and then kind of jump from these extremes and always never reach the end or show ourselves that consistency works? And the problem is, each time we set a goal and, and we don't reach that goal, we start thinking to ourselves, like, what's the point? I always fail. And in short, we kind of lose faith in our ability to make the change. And sometimes we even begin over time questioning our kind of ability to make a change. And we start feeling like the powers above are in charge of the outcome. And we start questioning, maybe there's just something wrong with me. Maybe it's, you know, my lack of self-control, my inability to uh, control cravings or my, my need for instant gratification, whatever it is, we start thinking it's something fundamentally wrong with us without taking a step back and being like, let me look at my goal. Let me look at how I'm living now. Let me look at like my attitudes towards this change and what around me 
and what inside me is making it difficult and starting to take those little steps to actually work on those things. And I get it, okay? Work like that sounds effortful. It sounds like, okay, but that's that's a lot of work, Joss, you know? It's going to take a lot of time. I don't have a lot of time. My year's very busy. I'm a busy person. I get that. So am I. But the long-term goal, if we're looking forward down the line, is that you'll make a change, you'll set a goal, you'll accomplish it, you'll feel better in yourself, you'll believe that you can set future goals, your self-esteem will increase, your confidence and your ability will increase. And that has the biggest impact over making short-term goals that are extreme, that you can't reach, that you fall off, that then decrease your sense of confidence in yourself. So you've got to weigh up the options, guys, (laughs) and think something's got to give. And, you know, psychologists and health coaches can work with you on a one-to-one basis to achieve these goals and they can help you reflect on your progress and overcome barriers to change. Um, And so if you're interested in that, please go to the link in my bio and in the show notes because there's a link there for your free discovery call and we can chat all about what it is that you're looking to change up in the new year, uh, how you want to get there, what you need support with, what you think you need to change up and I can help you along the way. And that call is completely free. So please book in for one. So the goal must be attainable and realistic in the long term. It wants, you need it to be something that can fit in with our lifestyle, which is balanced. It's not based on extremities of behaviors such as, you know, dipping into disordered eating or over-exercising or substance abuse to obtain a goal. Um, I'm thinking of things like, you know, laxative abuse and stuff like that. We just don't want to dip into that kind of disordered, all or nothing, instant gratification. I want results now. We want to look at the long term. We want to go on the journey and we don't want to kind of reinforce those kind of negative beliefs about ourselves or kind of promote any sort of yo-yo or crash dieting that we know research tells us time and time and time again doesn't work. And it's why the diet industry is so successful is it sells you projects, it sells you eight week plans. And then oh, within 12 weeks, you need to come back again and So the cycle continues. It doesn't work, guys. Let's change up the narrative. Anyway, rant over. How can we make our changes and actually stick to them? So when I work with my clients, I have some kind of real favorite go-to strategies that we use. And um, I'm just going to touch on about three of them. There are loads that we do. Um, Some of them are very like cognitive behavioral style experiments and stuff that help people challenge negative beliefs others are quite practical and today I'm going to talk to you just about the really practical things that you could do on a day-to-day basis at the start of the year end of this year um, whenever you want to try and get yourself on track to try and reflect on your goals and if you are really interested in doing more of that work there's also a free pdf goal setting sheet that you can get on my blog and the link to that is in the show notes too So the first one is very simple, not surprised by this one at all, is goal setting. You have to get really clear and specific on what the change would look like. And this is an essential part of self-management as well, because how are you going to know how to evaluate your success, how to evaluate the steps you're taking to know what to change, um, what's going well, what's not going well, if you're not really, really clear on the goal that you have. And often you hear about kind of smart goals as well and making them like measurable and specific. Um, 
And that's really important and that works for some people. But often sometimes, especially with the eating disorder kind of realm, it's not appropriate to make goals measurable. I don't really like the word measurable, um, mainly because that kind of clientele um, that I'd get would kind of really be fixated on numbers and maybe measurable in terms of like clothes sizes and um weighing scales and measurements and like calories and things like that and I really do not promote that or endorse that so I would be looking at more internal changes which are harder to measure because let's face it our emotions change every single day and you can wake up in the morning and feel great someone can say something shitty to you and suddenly you're feeling really crappy again in yourself so it's not a very robust measure to use of like how you're feeling in yourself but you know, even if it's things like your sleep quality or, you know, being able to eat out more often or things like that, anything that you can kind of can relate to your goal and it can kind of be something that you can see progress and you can notice, oh, this is getting easier or I'm able to do this more often can be a really good thing. But I would kind of stay away from things like weighing in numbers and sizes and calories and stuff like that if, if that is um, a trigger for you. So when I say get clear about the goal as well, so often I work with clients and I'm like, well, what's the change that you want to see? And they're just like, oh, I just want to feel better. And it's like, that's a great change. And I, I want you to feel better. But like, what is the problem? Like, you have to know what the problem is to have a goal to fix it. So if the problem is, you know, I just keep on weighing myself every single moment of the day. And like, I can't, I can't stop. I'm jumping on and off the scales all the time, or I keep body checking, or, you know, I want to stop counting calories, like make the goal really clear about what it is, what the behavior is that you want to see change. And often there are quite a lot of behaviors that maybe we need to change in order to feel better about ourselves or, you know, improve our well-being or our health. And that's okay. But writing these down as separate behaviors and kind of having a think about, okay, how do they link up? Because, you know, if my sleep is going to improve by doing more exercise and they are two separate goals, they do interlink. So having a think about how your goals do impact each other and what the kind of change would feel like as well so what would it feel like to improve your sleep what would it feel like to um have a healthier relationship with exercise what would it feel like to have a healthier relationship with food like what would that look like for you would it look like going into your kitchen and being able to just pick up any old snack and not think about it would it look like being able to eat out more with your family or your partner would it be would it look like having other people cook for you more often and enjoying that experience like yeah I have to get really clear on what the goal is and what it looks like and this as like I said is a really essential part of and how you'll self-manage and how you'll be able to kind of know if you're achieving the goal so there are two types of goals that we also have. We have outcome goals, which is the health goal you want to achieve. So for example, um, it could be that I want to lower my blood pressure. That is the health goal I want to achieve. And then you have a process goal. And that is the goals that are involved in the steps you'll take to reach that goal. So for example, I want to lower my blood pressure. And the process goals are going to be, I'm going to um, do two sessions of cardio a week and I'm going to reduce my salt intake um, and I'm also going to reduce the takeouts I get because they're really high in salt as well so 
the process goals are the little goals involved in the steps that you'll take to reach the outcome goal, which is to lower my blood pressure. So if it was to reduce my anxiety around um, eating carbohydrates, say, that's a common one that I get with clients. The goals involved with that step would be, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cook two carbohydrate heavy meals a week. And I'm going to eat those with a friend or a loved one or a partner or a family member, whatever it is to make that easier. Or it could be, I'm going to, you know, eat out once a week at my favorite Italian restaurant. And um, I'm going to let someone else pick what I'm eating off the menu, whatever it is, you know, they're the little goals that you are involved in getting to the outcome goal, which is to feel more comfortable around food or is to improve sleep or is to lower blood pressure. So you've got a big goal, your outcome goal, and then you've got the process goals, which are the little things that you need to achieve to get there. And I encourage you to make these really small as well, like make them tiny little baby steps. Um, it can be as easy as, you know, um, I need to put a dash of milk in my tea if you, or whatever it is. Um, or, you know, I'm going to lie in for five minutes more. I find lying in really difficult if I'm on my own. <laughs> so for me, it could be like, I'm going to snooze my alarm and I'm going to lie in for just five minutes. And I'm going to sit in that place of anxiety where I know I really want to get out of bed and I feel like I have a million things I need to crack on with. I'm actually going to sit in that space and just be in my bed. So you know, make this, make it really small and then build yourself up is what I would say. And like I said, with SMART goals, these goals should all be as specific and realistic, as manageable and important to you as they can be. If it's not important to you, you're not going to stick with it. If it is something that's really meaningful to you, then you're more likely to see it through. And again, if it's, it has to be realistic within the realm of your lifestyle, if you're really busy and you work shift work and you know, you're working 12 hour shifts, maybe as a nurse or support worker, it might not be realistic to say you're going to go to the gym five days a week for an hour and a half each. So, you know, you need to make it manageable. You need to make it realistic and fit within your lifestyle. And it's when we get as specific as we can about how we're going to do that, um, that, it's more achievable as well. Fab. So number two is a technique called environmental restructuring. And this sounds really like, I always think about this one and think it sounds like I'm telling people to like redecorate or reconstruct their house or like move abroad or do something elaborate, but actually it's really, really small. And it involves just altering slightly the environment that you're in to make the change easier. So for example, um, if one of my goals was that I needed to get a better night's sleep, I want to get eight hours sleep and um, I don't want to be on my phone before bed. It's one of my process goals. It's one of the things I know is keeping me awake. Then one of the environmental changes I could make is that my phone is not in my bedroom. It's downstairs charging at night and I buy an alarm clock to get me up in the morning like the old school days. So, you know, it's looking at little environmental changes that will make that step a little bit easier for you. It could be that you keep your running shoes in the car so that, you know, after work, you have no excuse to go to the gym. They're just all your kits already in the car. Um, it could be that you reorder your cupboards so that actually all the kind of um, the snacks that you want to start eating are pushed forward and at kind of the height that you can just grab and go and all the kind of snacks that you want to leave as more of a treat are put right to the back so they're a little bit harder to reach 
Another one that I often do with my clients is uh, removing weighing scales. You know, if they're not in the house, um, then the temptation is just removed to use them. So, you know, putting them in the attic if you don't want to get rid of them. So they're really, really hard to reach and they're not accessible um, or just removing them from the house completely. You don't have to throw them out. You could even give them to like an aunt or a neighbor or a good friend of yours and just be like, hey, can you just stick these <laughs> in a cupboard somewhere? Because I just I need to get over this um, behavior. Um, and that can be a really good way to just, you know, temptation isn't there. And it just means that what you're left with, with is the anxiety. And, and that is the whole point of a behavior change, like something like that, which is a safety behavior, such as weighing yourself or, um, you know, looking at your phone all the time. And um, something that kind of releases anxiety for you is going to then mean that you're just left exposed to the anxiety. But that's actually once you found a way and once you've shown yourself you can sit through that anxiety is much more manageable and will kind of fade and you know life will continue so I'm, I really encourage people to switch up their environment the other one that's quite good is if people just want to get into like just doing a little bit of stretching or something in the morning if they've got a very sedentary lifestyle and they just want to add in some movement I encourage people just put a yoga mat out by your your tv downstairs or by your computer whatever it is that you use and you can just kind of get downstairs in the morning put on youtube do your five minutes of yoga your mat's already there you don't have to think about it it can also be like um, putting prompts and things in place. So actually using prompts is another behavior change technique, but it does link into environmental restructuring. Because if you think about it, if you walk downstairs and see your yoga mat there, it's prompting you and reminding you, oh yeah, I do yoga in the morning. So, you know, having little kind of changes to your environment can also remind you of this new behavior that you're trying to take up or this, this new change that you're trying to make. The other factor to consider is that our environment these days is not just offline, it's also online. And what you're kind of exposed to online does impact you and will kind of shape your behavior and how you feel about, you know, the changes that you're making and what you're doing. It's an influence. <laughs> and so things I encourage my clients to do are things like deleting tracking apps off your phone so they're no longer there. Um or unfollowing accounts that promote maybe disordered ways of managing your weight, shape, and size, and just creating a really healthy online environment so that when you go on, it's just maybe content from your friends and family or, you know, things that actually add value to your life. So accounts that maybe you're learning things from or that are promoting a really healthy attitude to weight, shape, size, and food. So that's another thing to consider when looking at how to, restruct, um, how to reconstruct your environment. I've already touched on tip number three, but I'll just reinforce it quickly. And that is to start small. So often, you know, people are in those all or nothing mindsets. And we talked about the extremities of behavior change and how people often go from zero to a hundred and don't really think about the kind of the middle steps and how to get there. But if you're really serious about making the change, um, any change this year, really start small with little baby steps and and think strategically about the processes that you'll need um, to take in order to achieve more on a regular basis. Um, think about the people that you'll need. Uh, you know, maybe the first step is just literally telling someone, oh, I think in the new year, I'm going to try and do X, Y, Z. And then you've said it out loud and you've got someone to talk about the idea with you. I think making more regular progress as well through 
baby steps and taking small steps it does increase your self-esteem it shows yourself oh you know I can do this you get that feeling of accomplishment that feeling of success and it's rewarding and and this increases our motivation and consistency because we feel confident in our ability to succeed so really having those small steps there you know starting with just like I'm just going to go to the gym once or once a week or you know, if you're trying to, maybe it's a piece of work that you're working on, or you're wanting to write a book, or you want to start your own business, or whatever it is for 2023, it's like, I'm just going to give myself 10 minutes a day to work on that thing. And then maybe before you know it, you're spending 20 minutes, and then before you know it, you're doing 30, 40, an hour. And so it's working your way up really, really slowly, and then giving yourself that reinforcement that, oh, I can do that. And then after a while, it's like, oh, that was easy. I could do more and that's a good way to do it and the last one that I want to touch on is about monitoring and rewarding your progress and again I think so often people set a goal for the new year they start off doing it and they kind of just forget about it and then before they know it they're like oh yeah I was going to do that thing and then I completely forgot and now I've it's like three months in and all the goals I wrote down for 2023 I just they're in the bin And I think, what is the point in making a change or wanting to make goals or set goals if we're not going to acknowledge, A, the hard work that we wanted to put in (laughs) or did put in, and if we're not going to kind of take time to monitor what we're doing and be like, is this actually working for me? Is this change making me feel any better? Um, Am I slipping into a disordered pattern of behavior? Is this still healthy? You know, self-management and monitoring is a really important part of of understanding, you know, where we're sitting within ourselves, like is our behavior congruent with our goals and with our values, or are we starting to actually feel like, oh, we're not living up to how we want to be or or what we want to be doing. So find a way to keep a track of, of all this kind of stuff. And maybe it's just on the notes on your phone. Maybe you buy a journal and you just spend, you know, 10 minutes a week, just writing down how you're feeling this week and you know, what's come up for you, what's got in the way, what's challenging, what's really good. Um, or maybe you make something really visual, kind of like a, a star chart, but not a star chart or something on a wall calendar, something that means that you can visibly tick off days and um, kind of reward yourself and see how much you're progressing. Um, I find visual things really, really helpful. So um, even like earlier this year when I was using um, a workout app called Evolve You, it would give you quite visuals of like how many you'd done and little stars and things like that and it gave you that sense of like accomplishment and achievement and I could see like oh, okay last week I did you know four workouts and this week I've only done two and I thought oh what's going on this week and I thought oh yeah I've been really tired actually and I picked up a you know a cold and my work's been really busy and you know whatever it is and you can kind of think okay, what's been going on for me? And you can see, you know, on the weeks that went really well, oh, they're the weeks that maybe I chose to work out in the morning and this was a lot better for me than when I tried to do it after work or whatever it is. It's a way to monitor, it's a way to self-manage. And then it's also a way to get that little reward. And if it's not like something that rewards you with, you know, virtual stars or something, make the reward. Maybe the reward is at the end of the week that you, you know, I don't know, you get to have a bubble bath and watch your favorite movie or you do something really nice for yourself. Like you at the end of of two months, you're going to book a ticket to 
a country that you want to travel to or to see a show that you want to see or you plan in something really nice you know for yourself a day date like anything but just make sure there is something that you're working towards and I really also encourage you not to make the reward foodie so often people do things in the new year like they're like oh I'm gonna it's a cliche one isn't it I'm gonna lose five pounds and then they they reward themselves with food and I just think like it's setting up that really unhealthy association that food is a reward or certain foods are off limit certain I just certain foods are cheap foods or treat foods and I just think if we can just get away from food as reward and we can just look at a more neutral reward like you know you take yourself off for a spa day you get your nails done you get your hair done um I don't know you whatever it is like find think of something that you really want to do for yourself or that you haven't done in ages and be like oh that's going to be my reward if you know I manage to not weigh myself for a week or um if I manage to <laughs> save up 20 pounds and or whatever it is I'm gonna treat myself by I don't know using five pounds of that on something special or whatever it is I don't know but the basic message I'm trying to get to is don't use food as a reward and that is it um yeah and when you are reflecting on your progress as well I just really encourage you to use these kind of questions um to really unpick what's going on for you so it's what went well what was hard why was it hard what can you do differently next time what could you do better next week what could you change for next week to to make it easier and what support do you need in order to help you reach this goal or make the goal easier? So guys, I hope that was kind of helpful. I hope that's a very whistle-stop tour of some of the behavior change techniques that I really like to use, some of the coaching tips I like to use with my clients. If you were really interested by this, then please, like I said, go to the show notes, click on the link for the free discovery call. It is free, so you absolutely have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I'm just wishing you the most wonderful new years. And I look forward to seeing you for season two in 2023. But for now, guys, stay happy and stay healthy.